Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the punishing of the Assyrians as we pick up in Isaiah chapter 10, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Woe unto them that decree unrighteous decrees and that right grievousness which they have prescribed to turn aside the needy from judgment, to take away the right from the poor of my people, that widows may be their prey and that they rob the fatherless. And this is the thing that upsets me most, I think, about these computerized letters and all, is they go out to these poor little widows on social security and these little, you know, these people are sending in their money to these guys that are driving Cadillacs and living high. That just galls me. They're making a prey of the widows. They're robbing the fatherless. These people that can't afford it, and yet, you know, they, they don't have enough sense to read between the lines, and they send in their pension money to these fellows. Oh, that is upsetting to me. You know, they live in fancy mansions, and whew, God's going to deal with them. Woe unto them. You betcha woe. <laughs> in Second Peter chapter 2, but these were false prophets, All but there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you. How are you going to know them? Who privately will bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through, this is how you recognize them, through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you. Anytime a person by flattery or feigned words seeks to make merchandise of you, you know he's a false prophet. A true shepherd is interested in feeding the flock rather than fleecing the flock. (laughs) Pray for me. God help me. I could... The Bible says, suffer not thy mouth to cause thee to sin. And I have to be careful that I don't let my mouth get me into deeper trouble. (laughs) And what will you do in the day of visitation? That is the day when God visits in his judgment, in desolation which shall come from far. To whom will you flee for help? And where will you leave your glory? Without me, they shall bow down under the prisoners. They shall fall under the slain. For all this, his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still, going deeper and deeper, and yet they continue in their ways, and God's hand is still stretched out. So God is going to use Assyria now as a rod to punish the northern kingdom. O Assyrian, the rod of my anger and the staff in their hand is my indignation. I will send him against a hypocritical nation, and against the people of my wrath will I give him a charge to take the spoil and to take the prey and to tread them down like the mire in the streets. Howbeit he meaneth not so, neither does his heart think so, But it is in his heart to destroy and to cut off the nations, not a few. For he saith, Are not my princes altogether kings? And is not Calno 
as Carchemish and Hamath as Arphed? And is not Samaria as Damascus? In other words, I've destroyed these other capital cities. I've destroyed these other nations and aren't one just like another. I'll just go through and wipe them all out. Now, here's an interesting thing. God says, I'm going to use Assyria as the rod of my judgment to come down and, and to uh, wipe out Samaria. And yet, though Assyria is used as God's rod of judgment, because Assyria destroys God's people, then God's going to wipe out Assyria. They didn't realize that they were being used of God in this, and they began lift, being lifted up in pride. Now, the interesting thing, when you go back into Chronicles and you read of Hezekiah, when Shennacherib came against Jerusalem and he began to challenge the men who were sitting there on the wall, he said, don't let Hezekiah the king tell you that God is going to take care of things, that God will defend you. For where are the gods of the Syrians? And they began to name all of these nations that they have conquered. Their gods weren't able to help them, and neither is your God able to help you. Don't listen to Hezekiah. He's telling you, just, you know, don't worry. God's going to take care. Listen, the other gods weren't able to handle them, and your God isn't able to handle you. And the very thing that Isaiah predicted is actually the very taunt that the Assyrian ambassador spoke against the people. And so because God said, because they said, I'm not able to defend, watch what I'm going to do. And in one night, the angel of the Lord went through the camp of the Assyrians and wiped out 185,000 of the first line troops. Just broke the back of the Assyrian invasion. They woke up in the morning, the Israelis did, and looked out, and their enemy was just nothing but a bunch of corpses out there, 185,000 in one night. An angel of the Lord. That is always interesting to me to realize what one angel can do in one night. <laughs> because I remember the statement of Jesus when Peter drew his sword to defend the Lord. You know, so many times we're seeking to defend the Lord. I'll defend you, Lord. <laughs> the, the day the Lord needs my defense, he's in big trouble. The day he, just like the day he needs my support to keep his program going. <laughs> if he's not able to keep his own program going, I'll never keep it up. Jesus said to Peter, hey, put away your sword. Don't you realize, Peter, I could call 10,000 angels that would come to my defense, right? In fact, they would, they're, they're chomping at the bit. <laughs> Don't you realize I could call 10,000 angels? Put your sword away, Peter. The cup that the Father has given me to drink, shall I not drink it? You know, I'm in control, Peter. Don't worry about it. I'm on the throne. I'm in control, Peter. Put your sword away now. I'm in control. I could call 10,000. I could get out of this if I wanted, is what he is saying. But the cup that the Father has given me to drink, shall I not drink it? If one angel could wipe out 185,000 Syrians in one night, surely the 10,000 angels could have delivered him easily out of the hand of those Roman soldiers and the high priest and anybody else. But he drank the cup for you and for me. He submitted himself unto the will of the Father, and he paid the price that you might have redemption, that you might have the forgiveness of your sins, that you might be able to dwell with him eternally in his kingdom. 
Now, inasmuch as he has purchased that for you, isn't it rather ridiculous that a person not accept now the offer that he gives? Since he's paid the price for it, and all you have to do is accept it, it is rather foolish not to accept it. So the Assyrians are going to be lifted up with pride because God is delivering Samaria into their hands. They're going to think that they've done it themselves. As my hand hath found the kingdoms of the idols in whose graven images did excel them of Jerusalem and of Samaria. In other words, they're going to, they're going to think that their, their gods are superior and that's why they are conquering these other lands because their gods are superior. And that's exactly what uh, Shennacherib said. Wherefore, Rebekshak, who was the spokesman for Shennacherib, wherefore it shall come to pass when the Lord hath performed his whole work upon Mount Zion and upon Jerusalem, I will punish the Assyrians, those with the stout heart of the king of Assyria and the glory of his high looks. I'll put him down, and God did, wiped him out, 185,000. And, and Rabakshek went back and was assassinated in his temple, even as the prophet declared he would be. For he saith, by the strength of my hand I have done it, and by my wisdom, for I am prudent, and I have removed the bounds of the people. I have robbed their treasures. I've put down the inhabitants like valiant men. And my hand hath found as a nest of riches of the people. And as one gathereth eggs that are left, have I gathered all the earth. And there was none that moved the wing, nor opened the mouth, or peeped. So the Assyrian began to exalt himself. I, 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 I have done all of this, not realizing that he was just a tool that God had used. He was just an instrument that God had used. And inasmuch as he was just an instrument in the hand of God, God said, shall the axe boast itself against him that chops with it? The axe is only the instrument. The axe without a man's hand, without the man's arm, is just lying there dormant. It can't do a thing. It's only when the axe is being used by a man that it can have any value in chopping. Shall the saw boast against the guy who is shaking it? In other words, the instrument should never seek to take glory in itself. The glory should go to the one who uses the instrument, for the instrument by itself can do nothing. Now, what a lesson that is for us who seek to be instruments in the hand of God. Shall the axe boast against him that heweth with it, or the saw against him who is shaking it? All I can be is an instrument in the hand of God, anything that comes forth of any value out of my life. I cannot take credit for it. I am only an instrument. And if God's hand isn't upon me, if God isn't using me, then whatever I do is absolutely worthless and useless. Without God's hand, I'm just lying dormant. I can't do a thing. Of and in myself, I can do nothing. And therefore, it would be totally wrong and foolish for me to try to take credit for anything that God has wrought. Because at best, I am only an instrument in the hand of God. And the glory and the credit to whatever has been accomplished should always go to God, never to the instrument. The instrument is never to boast or glory itself. 
or in itself. It is only an instrument and nothing more. And your life is just an instrument in the hand of God. And if God uses you, praise the Lord, that's great. But don't take glory for it. Don't think, oh, look at me. God used me. Well, the reason why he used me is because I was so sharp. You know, some way we want to get credit in there for ourselves. Not so. Just be an instrument. Let God use you. And then give glory to God for whatever comes of it. Because to God be the glory. Great things he has done. As if the rod could shake itself. <laughs> can't. Assyria is my rod, but it can't shake itself. Against them that lift it up, or the staff should lift up itself as if it were no wood. Therefore shall the Lord, the Lord of hosts, send among his fat ones leanness. And under his glory he shall kindle a burning like the burning of a fire. And the light of Israel shall be for a fire, and the Holy One for a flame. And it shall burn and devour his thorns and the briars in one day, and shall consume the glory of his forest and of his fruitful field, both soul and body. And they shall be as when a standard bearer fainteth, and the rest of the trees of the forest shall be few, that a child may write them. In other words, he's going to wipe them out, and a child will be able to count the remnant that remains. And a child could count the soldiers that came back from the Assyrian invasion of Judah after God fulfilled his word and wiped them out because of their pride, because they began to glory in themselves rather than the fact that God was using them. Now... Isaiah looks forward to a yet future day, very soon to be fulfilled, when God preserves his remnant in the great tribulation, as God takes the remnant and preserves them down at the rock city of Petra during the time of the great tribulation. We will get more of this when we get to chapter 16 and chapter 26. But now Isaiah looks forward to the great tribulation. And it shall come to pass in that day that the remnant of Israel and such as are escaped of the house of Jacob shall no more again stay upon him that smote them, but shall stay upon the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, in truth. You see, they have been deceived by the Antichrist, who when he comes into power, he makes a covenant with the nation Israel, whereby he helps them to rebuild their temple. And because he helps them to build their temple, they're going to acclaim him as their Messiah. An interesting thing today, if you go to Israel and you ask them about the Messiah, of course they disclaim Jesus Christ as being the Messiah. You talk to the Orthodox Jew, they'll tell you they are expecting the Messiah any time. In fact, there are little prophets that are going up and down uh, the streets of Jerusalem telling them that their Messiah is coming. Now, to these people, you talk to the Orthodox Jew and you say, how are you going to recognize your Messiah when he comes? And they will tell you, he will help us build our temple. That's what the Orthodox Jew is looking for, a man to come and help them build their temple. Now, that is what the Antichrist is going to do. Jesus said, I came to you in my Father's name. You didn't receive me. Another is going to come in his own name, and him you're going to receive. And they're going to hail this man. They're going to acclaim him. This is the Messiah. 
They said, we're not looking for a divine son of God. We're looking for a man like Moses. He's going to be just a man like Moses is a man, but he'll help us build our temple. I've had them tell me that over and over again. Now, the Bible tells us that's exactly what's going to happen. The prince of the people that shall come will make a covenant with the nation Israel, but in the midst of the seven-year period, after three and a half years, he'll break the covenant as he comes to the rebuilt temple, stands it, and declares that he himself is God. So here we read about that. The remnant that escaped. Jesus said, when that happens... When you see the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place, as was spoken by Daniel the prophet, then flee to the wilderness. Don't even stop in your house to get your coat. Get out of here. So the remnant that flees from Jerusalem will no more again trust in the Antichrist, but here will be the national conversion and they will turn to the Lord and begin to trust in him. They will stay upon the Lord, the Holy One of Israel in truth, and they're going to turn. Tremendous revival. And the remnant shall return, even the remnant of Jacob, unto the mighty God. For though thy people Israel be as the sand of the sea, Yet only a remnant of them shall return, and the consumption decreed shall overflow with righteousness. God will destroy through the judgment the world, but just a remnant will make it through. For the Lord God of hosts shall make a consumption, even the determined in the midst of all of the land, the great tribulation period. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of hosts, O my people that dwell in Zion, be not afraid of the Assyrian, for he shall smite thee with a rod and shall lift up his staff against thee after the manner of Egypt. For yet a little while and the indignation shall cease and my anger in their destruction." And the Lord of hosts shall stir up a scourge for him according to the slaughter of Midian at the rock of Oreb. And his rod was upon the sea, so shall he lift up at the, the manner of Egypt. And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. That yoke that the Antichrist puts upon them and all will be destroyed. Now, we are approaching the battle of Armageddon. He has come to Aiath. He has passed to Migron at Michmesh. He has laid up his tanks, chariots, or carriages up into the area of Megiddo. And they are gone over the passage. They have taken up their lodging at Geba, Rama is afraid, Gibeah of Saul is fled. Lift up thy voice, O daughter of Galam. Cause it to be heard unto Laish, O poor Anathoth. Madmina is removed, the inhabitants of Gibim gather themselves to flee, as yet shall he remain at Nob that day. He shall shake his hand against the mount of the daughter of Zion, the hill of Jerusalem. Behold the Lord, the Lord of hosts, shall lop the bow with terror, and the high ones of stature shall be hewn down, and the haughty shall be humbled. And he shall cut down the thickets of the forest with iron, and Lebanon shall fall by a mighty one. So the prediction of this coming gathering together 
of the nations for the battle of Armageddon as they are gathering their tanks and all together in the area for the huge battle. Now, it is interesting that following in order, the 11th chapter where we begin next week deals with the return of Jesus Christ in glory. And there shall come forth the rod out of the stem of Jesse. And chapter 11 gets into the glorious kingdom age, which we are seeing now. Of course, this chapter 10 as it's beginning to frame around us the great day of the wrath of God, but to be followed by the glorious kingdom age. So as you get into chapter 11, we get into a whole new dimension now as we move beyond this great slaughter and, and desolation to the glorious day of the Lord and the establishment of his kingdom. Oh, what a day that shall be. We'll continue with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Isaiah on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Isaiah 10 when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of The Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you, and may your life be an instrument in God's hand this way. May you have that unusual joy of realizing God's hand is upon my life and he has used me. May God help you to share his love with those that are still sitting in darkness. And may you experience the anointing of God's Spirit upon your life in a new and a very special way as He empowers you to do His work. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Children love stories, so it is with great honor to tell you about a children's book written by Pastor Chuck called The Story of the Ten Commandments. Just listen to what people are saying. Cheryl Broderson. I love these stories, and it's a pleasure for me to know that you get to hear my dad tell you the very same stories that he told me as a child. Pastor David Guzik. 
I think that a book by Pastor Chuck is perfect for children because they'll sense the true love of not just a father, but a great grandfather and how much he loves to pass on the love of Jesus to a young generation. Pastor Poncho Juarez. I am so blessed to be part of this book by Pastor Chuck. I love it when kids read in their own level. I hope parents take advantage of this and may the Lord bless you. And as a gift, each book contains a CD of Pastor Chuck reading the story of the Ten Commandments. To order your copy, call the word for today at 800-272-WORD. Or to see a sneak preview of the book, visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.